Music has been awesome this morning. I appreciate that very much. <clears throat> Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 50. Isaiah chapter 50. Um, I have a warning for you this morning. Um, if you came to church this morning hoping to hear some some new information or or some great expository sermon, uh, well, for one thing, you wouldn't have gotten that anyway. Um, but <laughs> but no, seriously, uh, there's nothing new in the message this morning. Uh, it, it, it just, you're going to walk out of here understanding everything that I said this morning, and and you're not going to anyway. My goal in my heart is that I'll encourage you like I've been encouraged. Uh, the message this morning uh, is a result of God encouraging me um, through the Thanksgiving holiday. I, I sat down in my computer and I started, I started the sermon for today. And I got, I got down, you know, I got partway through it and God said, that's not what I want. <laughs> and uh, I said, okay. So I spent some time praying and meditating and God just started working in my heart. And so this is, this is it. You, you get it this morning, okay? Uh, but I, again, my hope is that it will be a blessing and an encouragement to you. And um, uh, so uh, Isaiah chapter 50, we'll be there in a minute. But I want to share with you, I want to just right out of the gate, I want to share with you one of my favorite stories of thankfulness. Uh, not, not a story of thanksgiving, uh, but a story of thankfulness. It's kind of a strange story. Uh, I've shared it with you before, but um, it, it is a, to me, it's, it's a, just an incredible story of thankfulness. It is the gratitude that prompted an old man to visit an old broken pier in eastern, <clears throat> the east coast of Florida. Every Friday night until his death in 1973, he would return, walking slowly and slightly stooped with a large bucket of shrimp. The seagulls would flock <clears throat> to this old man, and he would feed them with, uh, from his bucket. Many years before, in October of 1942, Captain Eddie Rickenbacker was on a mission <clears throat> in a B-17 to deliver an important message to General Doug Douglas MacArthur in New Guinea. But there was an unexpected detour and, uh, which hurled Captain Eddie into a most harrowing adventure of his life. Somewhere over the South Pacific, the Flying Fortress uh, became lost beyond radio re uh, reach of radio Fuel ran dangerously low, so the men ditched the plane into the ocean. And nearly a uh, <clears throat> excuse me, for nearly a month, Captain Eddie and his companions would fight the water and the weather and the scorching sun. They spent many sleepless nights recoiling as giant sharks rammed their rafts. The largest raft was nine. <clears throat> excuse me, was nine feet by five feet. The biggest shark was 10 feet long. 
but of all their enemies at sea, one proved more formidable, starvation. Eight days out, their rations were long gone or destroyed by seawater. It would take a a miracle to sustain them, and a miracle occurred. In Captain Eddie's own words, Cherry, that was the B-17 pilot, Captain William Cherry, read the service that afternoon, and we finished with, with a prayer of deliverance and a hymn of praise. There was some talk, but it tapered off in the oppressive heat. With my hat pulled down over my eyes to keep out the glare, I dozed off. Something landed on my head. I knew it was a seagull. I didn't know uh, how I knew. I just knew. Everyone else knew too. No one said a word. But peering out from under my hat brim, without moving my head, I could see the expression on their faces. They were staring at the goal. The goal meant food. If I could catch it. The rest, they say, is history. Captain Eddie caught the goal. Its flesh was eaten. Its intestines were used for bait to catch fish. The the survivors were sustained and their hopes renewed because a lone seagull, uncharacteristically hundreds of miles from land, offered itself as a sacrifice. It's well known that Captain Eddie made it. And now... You also know that he never forgot. Because every Friday evening about sunset, on a lonely stretch along the eastern Florida seacoast, you could see an old man, white haired, bushy eyebrowed, slightly bent, his bucket filled with shrimp to feed the seagulls, to remember that one, excuse me, to remember that one on a day long past gave itself without struggle like manna in the wilderness. The thing that has always impressed me about this story is that Eddie Rickenbacker and the crew chose to worship God, sing praises to Him before the seagull. See, it's easy to give God the praise after the seagull comes. But they decided to worship and give God praise as they were starving to death with no hope. 
The title of my message this morning is this, if, and it's really not even a message, it's more just me sharing, but I had to, I had to title it something, <clears throat> and that is this, The Attitude of Thankfulness. The Attitude of Thankfulness. Thankfulness is not a word. It's an attitude of the heart. And so often we go through Thanksgiving season and we <clears throat> fail to spend a season reflecting on the goodness of God in our lives. And I cannot imagine being in the situation that Eddie Rickenbacker and his crew were in and having the ability to worship and thank God, sing praises to God knowing that within a few hours you were going to die. But God saw fit to sustain their lives. The book of Isaiah is a book that it really it reveals the heart of the children of Israel. For the most part, uh, the children of Israel had become cold, <clears throat> excuse me, had become cold and, and indifferent. But there were some that still wanted to do right. Look at Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 10. Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servants? <clears throat> that walk in darkness and hath no light, let him trust in the Lord, excuse me, in the name of the Lord, and stay upon his God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. And Lord, thank you that there are people that are always looking to worship you, to know you better, to have that relationship Lord, we ask that you would uh, speak to our hearts this morning, that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us. We love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Throughout the Bible, there seems to always be a remnant of people that want to know God more. There always seems to be that, 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 that group of people that no matter what's going on around them, they have this burning desire to know God more. We can get discouraged when we feel like we're all alone. Elijah found this, this out. Elijah had... had <clears throat> gone through a season of great victory. He had, he had, uh, he had uh, told the king that it was not going to uh, rain, uh, no, not, not even dew on the ground. And, and that's exactly what happened. And God, God sustained Elijah through a series of really awesome events. And if you're, if you're not familiar with Elijah, go back and read him. He's, he's an incredible character in Scripture, a man of great faith. 
And he, and, he, and he goes through the drought. And then, they, then those, if you're familiar with the story, there's the events of Mount Carmel where uh, they have this, this great exhibition and, and God does an incredible miracle and, and Elijah's right there in the middle of it all. And oftentimes in, in those seasons of excitement and when God is doing great things in our lives, shortly after we can become discouraged because the emotion drops. And that's exactly what happened to Elijah. And Elijah got discouraged. And some, some scholars even believe he went into a season of depression. But God never gave up on Elijah. First uh, Kings chapter 19, verses 11 to 13 Elijah had gone into the mountain and he had gone into a cave and he was trying to escape from everything. In fact, he at one time even said, God, just just kill me. Take me home. Verse 11, and then, and he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord and behold, the Lord passed by and uh, and, uh, a great... And strong wind rent the mountain and break in pieces the rocks before him. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after a fire, a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the... uh, entrance of the cave and behold there came a voice on him and said what doest thou here Elijah God did not condemn Elijah God did not get on him for running he just said what are you doing here man because Elijah had been discouraged and we've all been there and God was talking to Elijah, and in and a, and a couple of verses later, in verse 18, God gave Elijah instruction and, and encouragement. In verse 18, it says, Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. And, and, and God had come to Elijah and said, Elijah, you're not alone. And there are times in our lives where we need to be encouraged that we're not in this battle alone. And that's one of the, I believe that was one of the reasons Elijah got discouraged because he felt like he was all alone. Have you ever felt that way? As I thought of Eddie Rickenbacker and the crew of the B-17 floating in the ocean. Now, granted, they weren't alone, but I'm sure they felt like they were alone. Yet God did not forsake them. God did not forsake them. Because they chose to worship and praise Him no matter what. See, thankfulness is is an attitude of the heart. 
Now, I'm going to read you my favorite verse in the Bible. Now, I've shared this verse with you guys many times, and, and many of you already know which verse I'm going to read. But I want to I share with you my favorite verse in the Bible. And that is Isaiah chapter 51 and verse 1. It says, Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock from whence you were hewn and to the hole of the pit from whence you were digged. Most people, when I read that verse to them and tell them that's my favorite verse in the Bible, they look at me kind of sideways and like, huh? But let me share with you what God has given me in this really precious, precious verse. Point number one, who's he talking to? Who's he talking to? First off, he's not talking to just one person. The word ye here, hearken unto me, ye that follow after righteousness. The word ye here is plural. And grammatically, I, 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 I... have a hard time explaining why, but but grammatically, the the word ye here is connected to Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 10. Those that fear the Lord. Hearken unto me. The word hearken here is a is kind of an attention getter, if you would. He's like he's like saying, "Hey, listen, listen to me. Ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord." The same group of people that Isaiah was trying to identify here in verse uh, ten of chapter fifty. It says, "Who is is among you that fear the Lord?" Isaiah is asking a question: Who who's out there that's that's going to seek the Lord? So his audience is the children of Israel, the, the people of the, of the land of Israel that had a desire to know God more. That, that specific group of people that had a desire to know God more is who, is, is who uh, uh, God is talking to here in Isaiah chapter 51 and verse 1. Those that have an attitude of thankfulness to God. Question. Who would this apply to today? Same thing. Anybody who has a desire to know God more. The word, the word follow here, uh, ye that follow after righteousness, this, this word it means to pursue or chase. It is, it is, it is not a casual, yeah, oh man, okay, today's Sunday. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'm going to go to church. Don't really feel like it, but I'm going to go to church. That, that, is, that is not what this is talking about. This is talking about somebody who has a desire, a burning desire to pursue God, to chase Him. 
I would like to think it would include me. Hearken unto me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Point number two. What is he telling them to do? There's there's two things here that we're going to look at. Look unto the rock from whence you were hewn and to the hole of the pit from whence you were digged. So there's two things that we're going to look at. Two things that we need to consider. Isaiah gives us two things to look at. The word look here, look unto the rock for once you're hewn. The, the, it, 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 is, it is the word, how can I describe it? Um, it's, not a, it it's not just a, a glance at something. It is to, to look at, to study, to examine. Much like the word follow, to, to pursue and to chase. The word look here is to look and to, to examine, to get to know on a one-to-one level. It is not, again, it's not the casual glancing look. It is a concentrated, purposeful look. And there's a understood conclusion after after looking at these two things there's an understood conclusion here and that is after you have looked at these two things and you've examined these two things you need to be thankful for these two things let's look at the two things <clears throat> the first one be thankful for what he did for you. Be thankful for what he did for you. Look at again, look at verse one. Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock from whence you were hewn. I remember the first time I read this, I, I asked myself the question, what does that mean? Look unto the rock from whence you were hewn. And then all of a sudden, it's like the Lord said unto me, Who's the rock? Jesus Christ. Jesus is the rock. Look unto the rock from whence you were hewn. We are all made in the image of God, are we not? Look unto the rock from whence you were hewn. God made us in the image of his own triune Godhead. We were hewn. But who... Who's the rock? Exodus chapter 17 and verse 6. As the children of Israel were going through the wilderness, what happened? They got thirsty. They were, they were estimation, when they left Egypt, there was one to three million people. And they got out of the desert, and they, guess what? They ran out of water. And God provided a rock that followed them through the desert and gave them water. In Exodus chapter 17 and verse 6, it says, Behold, I stand before thee there upon the rock of Hebron, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come out of it 
that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And this rock, and Moses walks over this rock and he takes his, his staff and he, and he hits the rock. And water starts pouring out of the rock. But later in the New Testament, Paul explains who the rock in the wilderness was. Now, please, please get this, because the rock was not a picture of Jesus Christ. It was Jesus Christ. You think, wait a minute. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4. And did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Jesus Christ is the rock. Look unto the rock from whence you were hewn. Simply put, it is the rock that saved me. And I need to periodically take time and thank God for saving me. The Bible has a really awesome word in it. It's called the gospel. The word gospel <clears throat> literally means good news. It appears in the Bible 93 times. The gospel, in a, in a nutshell, is the fact that, that Jesus left heaven to come to this earth to take on the, 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 the flesh to live uh, 33 years or so and live a sinless life. To go to the cross and pay the price for my sin. Three days later to raise from the dead and ascend to his Father in heaven. That in a nutshell is the gospel. I am so thankful for that. Look unto the rock from whence you were hewn. Never forget what Jesus did for us. There are four elements of the gospel I want to cover quickly. First is understand that God loves you. John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him <clears throat> should not perish but have everlasting life. The love of God. The second thing we need to understand is the fact that <clears throat> everyone is a sinner. You know, I, I look at a little Elizabeth, a little all, all, almost six pounds of her now, and I look at her and I think, She's not a sinner. <laughs> yeah, she is. We're all sinners. And Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. The third thing we need to understand is there's a price to be paid because we're sinners. In Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is the eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus paid the price. 
and it was a free gift. There's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to keep it. It's a gift. The fourth thing is that Jesus loved you enough to take care of your debt. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. But God compounded his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Praise God for that. I love sitting and reflecting and remembering the day that I got saved. I remember for years feeling like there was a, literally an empty hole right here in my, in my soul. I'm trying to fill it with everything in the world that the world had to offer, but I always felt empty. And the night I got saved, I remember laying in my bed on the ship that, that I got saved on uh, <clears throat> and realizing, wait a minute, for the first time in my life I feel whole. And I literally remember looking down to, to make, sure that the, make sure that the hole, I, I kept pushing on my chest because for the first time I felt whole. I love, I love laying and uh, going out in the desert and, and remembering that night how God saved me. June 23, 1980. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. John 13, 17, for God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The attitude of thankfulness. Who's he talking to? Hopefully, I believe with all my heart, he's talking to me. And hopefully he's talking to you if you have a desire to know him more. If you are pursuing God, he's talking to you. What is he telling us to do? Number one, be thankful for what he did. Number two, letter B, be thankful for where he's brought you from. Be thankful for where he's brought you from. Look at the verse again. Hearken unto me, hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock from whence you were hewn, and to the hole of the pit from whence you were digged. Very simply, I believe that the hole being referenced here is talking about mankind. And the pit... Or, or excuse me, the pit is referring to mankind and the hole is re- referring to my life. Think about that. Re- let's, let's read the, the last part of the verse. And the hole of the pit from whence you were digged. See, if the pit represents mankind and the hole of the pit simply means that God dug me out of the, the pit called mankind. And the reality is this, every one of us have our, has our own pit. 
My, my, the pit that God dug me out of is different from the pit that he dug you out of if you're saved today. We need to remember and be thankful for what he's brought us from. Remember the whole of the pit that he's brought us out of. Psalm chapter 40 and verse 2, And he brought me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. After he saved me, he changed me. For that, I am forever thankful. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The Jewish people celebrate miracles every year. They, they, if you go online and you, you Google the Jewish calendar, it is, it is full of events and miracles that they celebrate, the things, things that God has done for the nation of Israel in the past. Probably the most famous of all of them is, is the Passover. The Passover uh, was a period of time uh, in the, when the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt. If you've seen the movie... <laughs> Uh, uh, the Ten Commandments, you know what I'm talking about. But in Exodus chapter 20, in verses 22 and 23, it says, And, and ye shall uh, take a his, uh, branch of hyssop and dip it in, uh, in blood that is in a basin and strike the lentil uh, and the two side posts with the blood that is uh, in the basin. And none of you shall go over uh, or excuse me, go out at the door of the house until morning, for the Lord will pass through to, spite, to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lentil and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and <clears throat> will not suffer uh, the destroyer to come into your house to smite you. So basically what happened was God told the children of Israel, the angel of death is coming. And the, 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 the firstborn of every household was going to die because that was the word of Pharaoh. And God said, take and paint, paint blood on the, or the doorposts door and over the lentil of the door and I will pass over that house. And those that are inside will be safe. Hence the Passover. It is a great celebration within the Jewish nation. And as they celebrate these miracles on their calendar, and again, it's, it's interesting to go through them and read them and see what all of them are about over and over and over but I have an important thought for you. I see the miracle of God working in my life every day. I don't have to live someone else's miracles. Look unto the rock from whence you were hewn and to the hole of the pit from whence you were digged. 
And never forget where God's brought you from. That is a miracle. And I get to live it. I don't have to celebrate miracles of the past. I get to live my miracle every day. And I need to take time and be thankful for that. We all have stories. And I love hearing people's stories. And I love telling my story. But never forget to spend time thanking God for your story. Okay. Let's bring all this together and we'll be done. I believe that the Apostle Paul sums everything that I said up in one verse. I could have just read the verse and we could have said amen and gone home, I guess. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 15. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Thank God for Jesus Christ. For what he's done, what he did for me, and where he's brought me from. Thank God for that. He saved me and he changed me. Hearken unto me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock from whence you were hewn, and to the hole of the pit from whence you were digged. Let me give you the Rick Lynn version of that verse. There are two things that we need to consider. And afterward, we need to be thankful for both of them. Remember what he has done and where he's brought me. Eddie Rickabacher and his crew are a wonderful example of thankfulness because they worshiped and praised God before the seagull ever landed. Giving thanks is a choice. Giving thanks is an attitude of the heart. It's not a word that we put on the calendar every year. It's an attitude of the heart. Yesterday, I received a letter from one of the inmates at Lovelock Correctional Institution. I wanted to read a couple things. If you want to read the entire letter afterward, you're welcome to read it. But I wanted to read a couple things because I found this to be incredibly profound knowing what I was going to preach this morning. 
he said this. He starts off the first sentence. Thanksgiving is a time to reflect on the blessings that God has poured out into our lives. Let me read that again. This is coming from a guy in prison. Well, before I read it again, let me read a couple other things. He says, I'm doing well. We are locked down a lot. But there is hope for regular services to start soon. Do you know what the, 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 this is prison terminology, locked down. Do you have any idea what lockdown is? Okay, most people don't. I, I had to be taught. Basically, it's when they tell you to get in your cell, you and your cellmate, because there's two, two guys to, to a cell, and they, they lock down the entire prison and you go nowhere for hours and hours and hours, sometimes days. Basically, it's solitary confinement with one person for days and days and days. Something else he said. I just came back from chapel and a visit with Alton Alexander. Some of you know Alton, Pastor Alton Alexander. He goes out to the prison once a month like I do. So he, he said, I just got back from chapel with a visit from Alton Alexander and had a, uh, uh, he had a cold and still came uh, and delivered a sermon for three of us. But get this next sentence. This was my first chapel service in two and a half years because of COVID and lockdowns and his things going on in the prison. He hadn't been to church in two and a half years. He says, I do miss you guys and and I do pray for you. But let me go back and read the opening sentence to this letter again. Thanksgiving is a time to reflect on the blessings that God has poured into our lives. As I read this, I thought, how could he say that? Here he's not been able to go to church for two and a half years, and they have spent days and days and weeks and months in lockdown. And he talks about the blessings of God that have been poured out in his life. And we whine and complain because our turkey wasn't big enough. Or the mashed potatoes didn't get done quite right. We're pathetic. Just saying. Let me rephrase that. I'm pathetic. Are we are we really truly thankful? <clears throat> Hearken unto me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock from whence you're hewn, 
to the hole of the pit from whence you were digged. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. And Lord, I do ask that you would speak to our hearts and that you would help us, dear God, to be a thankful people. Not be thankful for our circumstances, but be thankful for an almighty God that loves us. Help us, dear God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask you,